when I put on the uniform and I had our last name Cespedes on there, I felt like I was really, okay, I'm honoring now my family name. We're Cuban and Mexican, so we're immigrants. There was this sense of giving back to the country, right? And I was like, okay, the Cespedes name is always on the uniform. And it's a very important moment of honor for the family. And then when they strip that away and they tell me that I did not serve honorably and they give me less than honorable discharge, it hurts in a different personal way. I didn't know that status meant so much. Doesn't dinner sound great as it's cooking? This dinner is from Riverbend Ranch, which always provides prime or high choice, has never been given hormones, never been given antibiotics, never been given mRNA vaccines. It's raised in the USA. It's processed in the USA. In fact, it's fully vertically integrated, which means that they own the cow that gives birth to the calf. It's raised on their fields and then taken to their butcher and then shipped to you. And if we compare what we can buy from Riverbend Ranch to four other major state companies that sell bundles that have ribeyes and other meat in it, it can be as much as $184 to $59 less expensive. It's a great price value, and it's a delicious piece of meat. Check out mycleanbeef.com slash afterhours. That's mycleanbeef.com slash afterhours. Mycleanbeef.com slash afterhours. Welcome to After Hours with Dr. Sigaloff. On this podcast, you will be encouraged to question everything. And to have the courage to stand for the truth. And now, to your host, Dr. Sigaloff. Thank you for joining me again. I first want to thank all of my Patreon supporters. We've got the anonymous donor at $20.20 a month. We have the Plandemic Reprimando rank at $17.76 a month with Ty, Charles, Tinfoil, Stanley, Dr. Anna, Frank, Brian, Shell, Megan, Brantley. We have a self-made level at $10 a month with Kevin and Pat and Bev. We have the Refined Not Burned tier with Linda, Emmy, Joe, PJ, Rebecca, Marcus, Elizabeth, Don, Jennifer, Ken, Rick, and Mary. Addison Mulder has made his own $3 level, and Frank has made his own $1.50 level. Then we have the Courage is, Not Con- the Courage is Contagious tier with Amanda, Jay, Spesnasty, Darrell, Susan, B.B. King, and Caleb. And last, I want to mention, don't forget, if you're tired of giving your money to these people that don't like you, that are Marxist, that are putting satanic images on t-shirts and selling it to kids and the, and the whole tuck it in before you you go swimming so kids can pretend to be girls. If you're tired of all that, please check out patriotswitch.com slash after hours. That's patriotswitch.com slash after hours. The beef they have is phenomenal. It's some of the best beef I've ever had. All right, today I have a very special guest, Brianna Cespedes. She started a, a group called U.S. Air Force Involuntary Veteran. And, and the reason is she is a veteran, but she involuntarily became a veteran as she was kicked out of the Air Force. She wanted to stay in active duty. She even had a promotion number, and they recommended her not being promoted and showed her the door. Brianna, great to have you on today. 
Thank you so much for the privilege. And the organization, it's called Involuntary Veterans, and we've been able to start it now as of last year since I got kicked out. So super awesome. excited Thank to you. be here. Thank you so much. So tell us what some of your story is, like when it started and, and when you started hitting problems and getting in a tight place. Yeah, I can go back a little bit. I wanted to join the military since I was pretty young because I always had a fascination of the Constitution. So defending the Constitution when we swear in and say that we will do, that was very important to me to be a part of that. And for that principle is why I joined. And actually for that principle is why I was actually kicked out later on. Um, defending the rights to defend the freedoms which we have held so dear. So um, I was in for five years. I chose the Air Force and decided to go with broadcast journalism, which was an awesome career. Uh, if Adrian Connor, I believe his name was the Good Morning Vietnam movie. You know that movie? Yeah. Yeah. So that was my job actually in Korea and in Belgium. And I got to do radio broadcasting and then videography, photography, journalism. It was an awesome career, a great time, got to travel until COVID really hit. And I was in Korea at that time that the quarantines were getting really bad. Everybody was in this weird position of what's going on? Are we supposed to be scared? Is it a joke? What's going on, right? Um, and that's where in Korea, I submitted uh, later on after going through so many quarantines, um, I submitted a religious exemption request to not get the vaccine because my personal conviction was that um, this was all fear-based. And especially as a Christian, I do not do, do, I don't make decisions out of fear. I believe that the fear of God is the only fear I should have. And then it actually frees me from all other fear. And it was when I realized that COVID, this push on getting all these quarantines, that this is a virus that's it's going to hurt us so much. And yet the percentages were so small. And then this vaccine, it was all fear-based that I couldn't get myself to, um, to take this. And I was feeling convicted to not. And as a Christian, you're supposed to take care of our bodies. And I was not about to risk it, especially because it was new. It was a new technology and I didn't want to take it. And it was very strong. So I submitted then and it wasn't until I actually submitted that I really started noticing I was put in quarantine so much. I counted over 140 days within about a year and a half. Okay. That's a lot of time in isolation. And in Korea, we had this thing called the COVID barracks. So it was a tapered off barracks. It's on an army base, right? And this was at Camp Humphreys in Korea. And these people would have full chemical suits, it looked, and they would go in three times a day and they'd give you your food. You were put inside of a white room and you were supposed to stay there for 14 days. That experience, okay, once, twice, three times, I could do it. But seven, eight, nine times, no, I, I was going crazy. I remember actually one moment I was walking wall to wall after being in quarantine, who knows how many times it was at that point. And I just remember thinking, is this not why I joined the military? Didn't I join to avoid things like this? Why are we going through this now? And a lot of injustice was happening. So the quarantines were, they were ramping up. I was isolated a lot in my office in Belgium. They, what they did was essentially tell me I had to stay away from everybody else because I was the unvaccinated one. 
So I constantly was isolated. And then I couldn't go anywhere, not even to a coffee shop because I didn't have that COVID passport. And the masking, obviously, I was the only one that had to be masked. I was actually supposed to put on E5, but they took that away from me. They gave me a non-recommendation for promotion because I did not get the vaccine. I got letters of reprimand. There were a lot of punishments and a lot of unlawful, illegal things that were happening. That, that, that's a basic story. I have more specifics, but it started What kind of illegal and, and unlawful things were happening to you? The discrimination with the masking, the quarantines. I was put in quarantine more than all my peers. Were they supposed to do that? No. I was getting letters of reprimand. I was getting demotion for a religious conviction. They are not allowed to, within our policy, AFI, 52201. We are not allowed to be discriminated against for our religious conviction. Another thing that Congress did was, as they were taking a long time to respond to our religious exemption requests, and within the AFI, I know for the Air Force instruction policy, you cannot have more than 140 days for service members overseas to respond. They took 168 days to respond to me. So just via their own policy, they had broken that as well. But there's no accountability for that whatsoever. I contacted my congressman and asked him, hey, is, this is a Congress waiver issue, and yet nobody is saying anything or doing anything about this. Why? And he could not give me an answer, except, okay, I'll talk to the Secretary of the Air Force, and didn't hear anything back. Those kind of things were illegal. Yeah, and unfortunately, <laughs> so. that's that that idea of reaching out to your congressman and hearing nothing back is yeah. not uncommon. I, I reached out to multiple congressmen, women, and I actually talked to the staffers of one. And then about six months later, I got a, a canned form back saying, good luck. So yeah. you didn't do anything. You didn't help me. You didn't help anyone. There's over 8,500 service members that were discharged across all branches and nothing happened. And then Congress said, we're gonna make this order rescind we're going to rescind this order so that there's no longer a mandate. The problem with that is when you rescind an order, there, there's legal implications with that word rescind. It means to restore both parties as they were before the issue happened. You have not been restored. I have not been restored. I don't know anybody who's been restored or mm. could be restored because you're going to carry the scarlet letter with you everywhere you go if you stay in. Yeah, and what's crazy about that is that you have seen some bills trying to push this, like there was the Americans Act, there was one called the Vaccine Reenlistment Act, and those all have died in the Senate Armed Services Committee. All of them have died there. So I've seen some pushes, but really the accountability for the DOD, it's not happening. They're just moving on, putting it under the rug. And that's why I started this organization, the Involuntary Veterans, because it can't be under the rug. So many of us are still affected. Active duty 8,500 at least. And that, that number was published in 2022. And they were still kicking members out. So we don't know. The Pentagon has not published these numbers. They stopped back in 2022. And if you count in reserves and National Guard, you go into the tens of thousands that were put on permanent non-pay status, temporary non-pay these numbers are really large. This is not just a small sector of the military. This is big. So. Yeah, and further your point is that, that 8,500, I'm not included in there because technically I left on my own free will. 
but there's no mm. way that I can stay in and, and allow them to have control over my life and my livelihood and my family. And so yeah. I got out voluntarily. I wanted to stay in the reserves, but that's, that can't happen because I can't allow these people to harm me like that again. I know for a fact that there was a major general, Major General Hale, who was kicking people out of the military for a, quote, refusal to train. Well, they weren't a refusal mm. to train. He prevented them from entering the schoolhouse so that they couldn't train because he didn't allow them in because they weren't vaccinated. And they were discharged as a refusal to train. So that's not part of that number. And I don't know how many other yep. places that's happened. Really, within, I can think back on my own orders for the promotion, one of their, so they gave me a non-recommendation because of not getting the vaccine. But they also said it's due to me not being able to go to school for that promotion. However, it was their fault that I couldn't go to the school because they said I could not move. They're giving me these orders, which I cannot follow by their orders. And then they're punishing me for it. So it's such a, it's a way around to get the punishment. On my DD-214, it says I disobeyed an order from the UCMJ and I have a general discharge due to that. Wow. So it's, it's being punished for this. Wow. I, and not too long ago, I put out at the time of this interview, I put out a episode of a doctor who got a general discharge also for not wearing a mask. Dang. It's wow. shocking what they're doing. That far? Wow. Yeah, it really is. With that discharge status, I, that's one of the biggest pushes that, I, that we're doing currently. We're trying to get expedited discharges for these members that have this status. Because personally, it, when I put on the uniform and I had our last name, Cespedes, on there, I felt like I was really like, okay, I'm honoring now my family name. We're Cuban and Mexican, so we're immigrants. There was this sense of giving back to the country, right? And I was like, okay, the Cespedes name is always on the uniform. And it's a very important moment of honor for the family. And then when they strip that away and they tell me that I did not serve honorably and they give me less than honorable discharge, it hurts in a different personal way. I didn't know that status meant so much, but it really does. And even coming into conflicts with some job opportunities, I couldn't go on, I couldn't get a benefit from, it was so random, but a benefit from like a cruise because you need honorable discharge, extra points for school. I want to get into a good law school. They're going to ask me about my discharge status. These things stop me. And the thing is, not only are is our Congress not taking care of these members that got kicked out, not giving us back pay, reinstatement, the opportunity, whatever. But they also are letting us die away in this where we are actively still under that punishment. And that's that should not be the case. That's just unjust. So. Yeah, I think it's amazing with your family history that you took the oath to defend the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And for your great sacrifice, you've been punished. And I want you to know that this generation, those that, that know and those that will know who the true freedom fighters are, your discharge will be as a mark of honor, even though they call it less than honorable. The mm. people who know will know, and those are the people who you'll want to work with. Because they'll understand what that means when you explain it. Oh, it's less than honorable. Oh, you're one of them. Come over here. Be with us. <laughs> I hope the status will change, though. I do have the hope that 
some with the new NDA amendments, with these bills, I know a lot of them have died, but I do hope that all of us in this case will get automatic upgraded discharge statuses because we shouldn't be suffering as people who have general, which sadly enough to say, so if you have a general discharge, just for those who might not understand, I'm sure many do, but honorable is a basic standard if you do your job in the military, right? General could be something like weed. It could be medical. It could be you don't pass your PT test, but it could also be something as bad as sexual assault. One of my friends was sexually assaulted and this guy that sexually assaulted her got a general discharge. So I have the exact status, same exact characterization as this guy. And that's troubling. It is very troubling. Troubling is a gentle word yeah. to use. Yes, I try to be gentle. <laughs> so, yeah. So, how can people help support you with your new organization? So, involuntary veterans, we are. What we're doing is taking off with legislation. We're supporting legislation, and right now, a big thing we're trying to do is get numbers. We are trying to those of us who have gone through this, let's get together. So we're going to support each other, but we also need numbers for to actually tell our congressmen, to actually tell our legislation, hey, this is how many people are going through this. So we're sending out a survey. We'll be sending it out on our social media page, Instagram, Facebook. It's just involuntary veterans. And we will be sending it out looking for people to um, just fill in their information and tell us their story. It's about sharing your story and getting our voices loud together as a community. It's not just one person. It's not just two people. It's not just my story. It's all of us together. That's, that's, really that's, that's the right way to do this is we have to change the culture and yep. then we change legis legislature. We have to get everyone yes. to understand what terrible thing has been done to us as the military and all the terrible things that you're still suffering. Like that doc that I told you had the general discharge, like he's still suffering from that. There's other service members that I know. And even worse than that are the ones that have been injured because it's not just a piece of paper that says something bad about them, but it's their body that's failing them from the damage that's been done to them because of the unlawful and illegal order that was given to them. And this is our charge. This is why I started this podcast is I need to speak. I need to get this, these stories out and we need to change the culture so that we can change the law. Yes. Yes. In that order. It's very important. So what are you doing these days when you're not working with your organization? When I'm not doing that, I am actually full-time towards missions. I'm Cuban, right? So I am trying to actually become a missionary in Cuba. So I'm working with my church and I'm super passionate about sharing about Jesus so that is my other full-time that I'm doing. That's currently. amazing. That's wonderful. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So it's, what, it's what a denomination? Great thing, like, uh, just the two. I'm evangelical. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah. That's the base. There's this, there's this book that I recently, wasn't that recently, it was just before COVID actually, that I read called The Unseen Realm by Michael Heiser. I strongly encourage everyone to take a look at it because it will change everything in the in the Bible and change nothing all at the exact same time. 
And when mm. Paul says that our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and principalities of darkness, to us that seems unusual because we don't think in Second, second Temple Jewish, we don't have that mind frame that the Second Temple Jews had. But when he said that, that was an idea that was, it was woven through the entire Old Testament if you understand the native language and how it was used. And even simple things like when Jesus says, I am the son of man, those, the rabbis instantly knew that he was talking about Daniel 7 and the son of man who walks mm -hmm. next to God. And that's why they tore their clothes and said, oh, he's blaspheming because he, that was the connection they instantly made. But we don't make that connection. When Peter mm -hmm. said, who are you? And, or, and said, you're the Christ. And Jesus said, who am I? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, yes, and this is the rock on which I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't withstand its assault. They were at Capernaum, which is a giant rock right near Mount Horem, or Hermon, sorry, Hermon. And that was where the Jews believed that the angels fell and came down to earth. So it was a rock at the gates of hell. Hmm. I always wonder how the Jews understood Jesus compared to how we do, because we are so separated from that culture. Even a basic thing I learned yesterday, the word, I was studying Daniel, and there's a word called Hamad in Hebrew, which means beloved. But there is no English substitution for that word. There's not one English to the Hamad. You have to have 13 English words to describe the one Hebrew word just to understand how beloved we are of God. That's what it was talking about, how much he loves us and wants us. Uh, so I think we might be missing a lot, and that's why we oh, have yeah. to go back to Definitely. the context. And, and so, the man who, who wrote that profession. And the man who wrote that book, uh, Michael Heiser, he's now passed and gone to our Lord, uh, but he was a, a biblical scholar that knew, I think it was eight different languages. And so he was able to take what the original text was written in and converted into an interpretation that we would be able to understand these days as best you can. That's still difficult to do. Yeah. And, and when you read that Christian. book, yes, yeah, he sure is. Well, he's, he's passed now, but yeah, he was Christian. And when you read that book, it, it almost takes that curtain and pulls it aside so you can see the unseen realm at battle. And from the start with the COVID shot, I've been able to see that this is a fight in the unseen realm. This is the rulers and principalities of darkness wielding their power amongst us and destroying the flesh and blood. And when you look at it from that perspective, yeah, there's certain people that I don't like, but I actually, it helped me pray for them and it's helping me pray for them because sometimes it's still hard to pray for those that did these things to us. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have found a lot of, as a Christian, I was able to see certain things that I realized some of my peers didn't just because of the lies within the media, the, it's almost like you're on an outside perspective and you're looking and it didn't make sense. It didn't logically make sense to me. It didn't spiritually make sense to me. Really, it was a very spiritual decision. That's why I put in the religious exemption request because it was spiritual. This felt like a battle in that sort of realm, which is hard to explain, but really it wasn't right. And it came down to that fear. It really did. So I knew that before God, I could not be fearful of anything and I wasn't about to take it. That was one, one bit of motivation that I had at the beginning is I prayed to God and I said, God, my ability to be a doctor is from you. I didn't get to med school on my own mm -hmm. free will. That, that was you who led me there. The license is yours. 
I'm going to make this stand. And if they, if the world takes it away from me, then so be it because I did what you wanted. And that gave me the boldness to be able to go through the difficulties that I've gone through and not worry about is man going to try and harm me? They can't because God, it's already God's. And if I give it back to him, it's still his. Makes me think of a verse. I believe it was in Daniel as well. It's referencing another verse, but it says, essentially, it says, I have the Lord. What can man do to me? It's just, it, it puts the priorities back in context. So what can man do to me? And even when I was making the decision to put in the religious exemption request, people were telling me, I got a, I got a direct email from my major command commander and he didn't CC my supervisor. He didn't put it down the chain of command at all. And he told me, Brianna, if you do not get this vaccine, you are going to face potential court-martial. You're going to be disobeying a lawful order from the UCMJ, dishonorable discharge, the whole nine yards. And when you get something, I was at E4 and I was like, I got a little scared. But with that, just that much of a push, that much of a threat is, okay, I realize what is happening. I realize that I potentially will face these things. My peers all around me were telling me, just get the shot, just get it. Then you can come, you can go out dancing with us and you can go out and you can go to coffee without the QR code and just come, come. And there was a lot of pressure to get the vaccine just from my peers. Everybody was doing it mostly for convenience more than for conviction. They weren't doing it because they thought they should. They were doing it because they had to. And this was bigger than my own convenience though. So that's that's another reason I took it for the principle of what it meant in the long term and making the decision when no one else was willing to around me and knowing that this was big, this was bigger than, than my own life. There was a lot of threats though before, and I knew that I would be facing potential dishonorable discharge. Thankfully, it didn't go that far. Not dishonorable discharge. For everyone to understand, dishonorable is akin to a, a felony conviction where you lose your ability yes. to vote and own firearms and it's a big deal. Very much. Thank the Lord that did not happen. <laughs> and what's interesting is the price was too big. The price that they were giving people to get the shot and the punishment price was, the price was off too much, right? If someone says, here, take this for, if you'll do something for me for a dollar and it's not worth doing it for a dollar. And then someone says, here, I'll, I'll, if you do this for me for a thousand dollars, that price is too much. Something is wrong here. And so that's should have tipped a lot of people off. And I think it did tip a lot of people off that, what they're trying to give away, free donuts, free alcohol. The only thing I didn't see them giving away was free cigarettes and free marijuana in certain states to, to people to get the shot. But they were giving away mm-hmm. money. They were giving away lottery tickets. They were giving away all these things. It's like the price is too great. The price that they're trying to make you pay. Why? Yeah. What's interesting, too, is so AWOL, just as an example, the consequences for AWOL are dishonorable discharge. And then you get 90 days in, in a military prison. Confinement. That, and then in confinement. Thank you. And then for not getting the vaccine, on the other end, you get confinement and isolation in a military barracks, which is what I was experiencing, and then dishonorable discharge. That's what they were threatening, right? So it was just, it was interesting that the consequences for AWOL and not getting the vaccine are like <laughs> decently comparable, which was crazy to me. Yeah. And to be AWOL, to be absent without leave, you're deserting your unit. That's a much more serious event. That's 
So yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's I see you guys. I'm done. I'm I'm taking my marbles and going home. Whereas I don't want to get some new technology mm -hmm. shot into me that no one knows any long-term effects. That's not even validated for human use per mm -hmm. the safety data sheets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it sounds so like what you was were... your, I can ask you questions. Oh yeah, you can ask me. Go, go ahead. Sorry. I was just curious about what you as a doctor found. I know that this was probably a very long spiel, but just on the vaccine, your biggest reason for saying no to it, just one, one of your yes. biggest reasons. So probably the biggest one, and this is what I was counseling beneficiaries, because I was seeing a lot of spouses and children and retirees when the shot first came out when I was stationed in Alaska. And I would tell them, hey, your spouse is going to be required to take this soon. It's going to be a mandate. That's just, that's what's happening. I've already hear commanders say it's not mandatory yet. And every time I heard a commander or a command sergeant major say that, I'd say, sir, to say that is undue command influence. You should not say that. You should say if it becomes, not when it becomes mandatory. And around that time was when God opened my eyes and allowed me to see the ingredients that were in it in the email flyer that I got from the CDC. And I looked up some compounds that were in there. And DSPC and DSPE are lipid nanoparticles. And if you look up the safety data sheet, that's what OSHA requires people to put on the wall of their place of business. Those safety data sheets say that they're not validated for human use. They're not validated for animal use. Hmm. That's crazy that they would be putting and, that inside of so many people experimenting on us like that. I just think of the Nuremberg Code. Really, didn't we already figure this out? Yeah, we claimed we had the moral high ground and we hung people for not allowing them to have informed consent for the me medical experimentation that was done to them. And here we are doing the same thing, possibly worse. And what bothers me more is back then, if you said something like, oh, we're the Goldsteins, they used to live next door to us, you'd be carted off to the concentration camp too. Today, if you said anything about it, you would just be ridiculed by your peers or ridiculed on Facebook, but no one was carted away and killed. And people still couldn't stand up and say anything today. Hmm. And silenced, I started a group in Korea online. I said service members, pro-choice service members, not about abortion, but about the vaccine. Right. And I just wanted the choice, that's it. I got taken off of Facebook. Wow, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> is there anything else that you want to discuss today? My computer's on low battery, so this is good timing. I really just wanted to ask for people to share their stories. We need more people to speak up. That's my biggest desire, and I think that this organization, what Involuntary Veterans needs is a community of people willing to speak up. It takes courage to speak up, but I'm telling you, for everybody that is listening right now, more people are in support of you than you might think. That's what I have found. So really Amen. share your story. Amen. And I'll put a link down below so that you can get a hold of her and get plugged in and begin to build this community. I built a community of a text group of doctors and we called it the Nehemiah Group because we had to be the ones that rebuilt. Nice. Nice. I'm very proud of you. Thank you for what you do, too.
I'm just glad to be standing next to other patriots who are taking the stand. And for those who have received a shot or two or three, when you were being deceived, there's forgiveness at the cross. Forgive yourself, but stand now. Don't keep allowing people to trespass on you. Just because someone broke into your house on Tuesday doesn't need you, doesn't mean you need to allow them to break into your house on Wednesday and take everything again. Amen. There we go. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much. This was awesome. God bless you. Peace. Just a reminder for everyone out there, duty uniform of the day, the full armor of God. Let's all make courage more contagious than fear. Doesn't dinner sound great as it's cooking? This dinner is from Riverbend Ranch, which always provides prime or high choice, has never been given hormones, never been given antibiotics, never been given mRNA vaccines. It's raised in the USA. It's processed in the USA. In fact, it's fully vertically integrated, which means that they own the cow that gives birth to the calf that's raised on their fields and then taken to their butcher and then ship to you. And if we compare what we can buy from Riverbend Ranch to four other major state companies that sell bundles that have ribeyes and other meat in it, it can be as much as $184 to $59 less expensive. It's a great price value, and it's a delicious piece of meat. Check out mycleanbeef.com slash after hours. That's mycleanbeef.com slash after hours.